welcome to Treasure, a podcast about all different kinds of treasure hunts. I'm Kristen. And I'm Riley. We're cousins. And each week we'll take turns presenting a treasure hunt to the other. So this week I'm presenting and Riley will be hearing all of this info for the first time right alongside you. Check out our Instagram at Treasure Podcast, where we post photos and extra info related to our discussions. If you have any personal gems or if you'd like to send us on a specific hunt, reach out at a podcast treasure at gmail.com. Your story could be featured on an upcoming episode from our listener treasure trove. All right, Riley, have you had any personal treasure since we last spoke? Kristen, I 100% have had a personal treasure. We have begun T-ball season. Ooh, whoop, whoop, whoop. Yes, I am T-ball mom and and they're doing so well and I'm just so excited for these little boys to just Aww. do their thing out there and they've been doing so well. Um, it's kind of absorbed my life. So that is definitely my treasure. They haven't, you know, set fire to the place so there's 11 of them I feel like that is um you know a personal (laughs) uh, just goal that I was setting for myself also I don't know if you remember this but uh when I was in elementary school we had these parachute things that were like big vinyl type things that you would hold onto the sides and like go like this. Oh my gosh, yes. That everyone holds like in the circle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You make a giant circle, all the kids hold it and you like can run under exactly. it. Yeah. yeah. Wait, you have one? Yes. I got Rhett one for Christmas and I was like, <sighs> well, this won't work with just me and Rhett and his dad. So uh, now we're getting to use it and they absolutely love it. Every time they see me, they go, are we doing the parachute? Oh my gosh, you're like Santa. Yeah, they're like, if we're, if, if y'all are good. I love it, that's awesome. So yeah, it's, it's been really good. So what about you? What about your personal treasure? My personal treasure is so lame. I just found Chicago PD. (laughs) <laughs> I've been binging it on the internet. I mean, on yes, <laughs> it's a uh, not on the internet on a uh, peacock. It's so good. It's well, it's really, really like unrealistic. But are those not our favorite kind of shows? I know, right? Like we, um, Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> I love how they bust down doors, and it's like I'm not even gonna clear this room. I'm just gonna scream out like a bad day. It's amazing. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I really like it for some reason, and I'm already on. It's a joy and a treasure, and I will definitely it's really have good. to check that it's, out. Well, and it's cool because they tie in, like, from Law & Order, like, SVU, the girl, the main lady, Olivia Benson, she, like, comes on, and she's friends with Hank, the main character, and they, like, do a couple shows together, but then you have to, like, watch Law and Order SVU to like hear the rest of it like they tie and then there's like the Chicago Med that they kind of tie into it so it's like all these multiple shows with like overlapping storylines so it's pretty cool um yeah I'm on already like almost season three after like four days so it was intense (laughs) (laughs) that is that is good I love a good thing I can binge um yeah, I've got a few other things you could binge. My mom sends me these. Um, do you ever listen to Audible? Yes, I love Audible. 
sponsor us. Yeah, please. Sponsor us. Yeah. <laughs> but um, my mom sends me these Audible, like, originals all the time. And there's one with Dolly Parton. I love I'm Dolly. obsessed with Dolly Parton. I don't know if you know this or not. I don't think I ever knew that. It's fairly new. Not that <laughs> new, but like it's called Run Rose Run by Dolly Parton and James Patterson. And James Patterson is like kind of a famous true crime writer. Yeah, he's really famous. He has I think he started out, you know, writing himself, but now he has authors, I think, that write like under him. Yeah. Um so he's able to get books out like really often um my grandpa reads one like every week and i don't know if she helped write it or anything but that is going to be my definitely that's awesome next listen i love audible i listen to stuff on there all the time i do too and it doesn't feel like a waste of time it feels like you're i don't know for some reason i feel zero guilt binging a book (laughs) but if i sit and watch chicago pd for like four days straight i'm like i just i did nothing I did absolutely nothing. I know. It's like, I read this book. Uh, Anyway. Well, I'm super glad that you are. um, Side note, I love when you were saying that you were in charge of the t-ball team, like the mom, that you noted Mm -hmm. that all the uniforms matched. Like that that was like, how did I? How did, did I pull, pull this, this off? off? Okay, like, exactly. So they all match. Yes. That was a and big I'm like, feat. I get it. And that I will have to be a story goes. for another time. But, um, I pulled it off. <laughs> Like I said, I'm hosting our story today. You have no idea what it is. Um, it is really off the wall. I was going to try to have you guess it, but there's there's like absolutely no way. So it is about um, the saga of Egil Skallagrimsson. Want to guess where he's from? Italy. No. No. It's probably because I pronounced it not very <laughs> no. um, okay. Spain. He is a um a Viking. He's a Viking. He's a Viking. Oh, stop. From Iceland. Yeah, so I am Oh my gosh, I love Vikings. Me too. I mean, have you watched Vikings the series? Yes, I've watched Vikings, Kristen. Yes. We love Ragnar. Oh, so anyway, Ragnar um yes. I know. (laughs) But how perfect did they do this scene? Well, have you, like, finished the whole thing? I don't want to give any spoilers. I don't think I finished it, but it's been out for a long time. Have you seen this big funeral from someone? Yes. Are you going to get mad if I spoil a tiny thing? It's been out for way too long. Okay. Okay, but how well done was the part where at Lagertha's funeral when she's like sinking to the bottom and it's like Ragnar. It was, I was like, this is a masterpiece. That whole show is a masterpiece. It, I know. And it was so like, nobody really, I feel like nobody knew how good it was. Yeah, Agreed. Um, it, it was so good, but that was just like, 
also very sad. I loved her. It was her. very sad. Me too. Um, and I loved her hair. They actually, though, in... I didn't realize, like, when I was researching all this, how famous this Eagle is. I guess his name is, like, Eagle. I don't know how to pronounce Old Norse, whatever. So he is, like, really tied into... He's super famous, but they tied him into the show. We're going to get into that later. Um, I am so excited about this. The saga of Ella Skallagrimsson is, uh, he was an Icelandic farmer, Viking, and poet, and berserker, which I especially love that term, Um, which is like a literal term. I thought it was just like a crazy person, but they used it for describing somebody who was like really skilled, a skilled and dangerous warrior. Basically they would go into like this trance, like fighting Mm -hmm. stuff. So he's like, when you think of Viking, like the intense kind, it's him. Um, no historical record of Egil other than this saga exists. So, and the saga was written like 200 ish years after he lived. So I guess it was just, you know, the word of mouth oral history passed down in their culture. And then a man anonymously, because they didn't sign their manuscripts back then, I guess, you know, wrote it. Egil and his children, the whole whole saga spans the life of his grandfather, father, Egil, and then his children. So it's like four generations spanning from like 850 Okay, so yeah, this story was like passed down, but it the story spans from the grandfather to the grandson or to the son to the grandson. So like that's what the story encompasses. To the great grandchildren. To the great grandchildren. Yeah. Okay, so yes, so that's what the whole story yeah, encompasses. So okay. from about eight perfect. Correct. So from about 850 to 1000 AD is the the whole timeline that we're looking at. Um, So Egil died in like 990. And that was like, yeah, isn't that crazy? It's yeah. So it's those four generations recorded. And then they don't know who wrote it. A lot of people. Well, we'll get into who they think wrote it. But Egil's father his name is Scala Grimer. Scala Grimer. His real name is just Grimer. So, have you heard where they would like, like in the show Vikings, they call Bjorn Bjorn Ironside. Like a characteristic of himself becomes like part of his name. Yes. So culturally, I that's that. what they would kind of do. So his dad's name was just Grimer, but they called him Scala, which means bald, <laughs> which I just love. They just called him Scala Greamer, like bald Greamer. So offensive. Um, I know. And then, you know, obviously bald they get Greamer. like. Come on over. Yeah. Come here, baldy. They call him uh, Egil Scala <laughs> Greamson because he's Greamer's son. So, yeah, that's how he got his name. Um, and then his grandfather. This is super interesting. His grandfather's name was Kveld Ulfer, which means evening wolf like he was a werewolf supposedly (laughs) in there yeah he supposedly had like werewolf blood which i didn't even know that that type of i don't know if i'm just like some uncultured swine but Uh, that type of almost cryptid yeah i didn't know that werewolf was that 
I get, I don't know. I didn't know it was that old, like that type of mythological creature was that old. It was old. like known all around. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like that, the werewolf like was universal? like. Like a universal. Yeah, kind of like a universal folklore. But even the ones in the Viking time, like it's crazy that they even had tales of, you know, the werewolf when you know, we still have yeah, 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 yeah. things yeah. about that today, like yeah. the chupacabra and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's crazy that they they had those as well. I love that. Yeah. So should we take a quick break before we really get into it? A lot of this story, as um, kind of crazy as it is to think of this happening in modern day terms, there are a lot of things that you can kind of relate with throughout this or relate to throughout this story. Um, so, yeah, uh, his dad, Skalagrimer, Baldi, and then grandfather is Kveld Ulfer, meaning evening werewolf. Um, and it's interesting because in the saga, it notes specifically how ugly his grandfather his father and Egil all are um and so here's an excerpt from um let's see from ucla it says Egil was marked by prominent features he had a broad forehead large eyebrows a nose that was not long but enormously thick and lips that seen through his beard were both wide and long i don't know what that means he had a remarkably broad chin and this largeness continued throughout the jawbone um and then from the same article, it says an Icelandic saga tells of a Viking who had unusual menacing features, including a skull that could resist blows from an axe. So pause. As you're reading the saga, he just sounds like this, um, I don't know, this like alien man, but modern like people that have read it, obviously in modern times, little clues throughout the story, like Oh, he goes blind as he gets older. Okay, like all okay, these symptoms okay. kind of happen to him, and they think he probably suffered from Paget's disease, which is a bone a bone disease where I think it grows like I think the bones grow like out of control and super thick. Let me see what it says real quick. Um, interferes with your body's normal recycling process, in which new bone tissue gradually replaces old bone that so, is crazy so it's yeah like i guess it's his like bone just grows kind of like stronger yeah, so, and stronger and thicker and thicker so he like kind of is kind of like a yeah and it disfigured his just face like, kind of like elephantitis but with bones yeah titus is i worst. would probably say yes well that's a, that's like super let Viking me show you this picture let me show you this yeah. picture oh, of a skull please um but i'm sure that vikings would definitely like that would be like their pride and joy of a person like you know somebody having bones that can't be broken through because they're just like so thick like they probably loved that oh god no that looks awful yeah oh oh <laughs> Okay, tell our viewer what you're seeing. Okay, what I am looking at right now is a 
It's what's supposed to be a human skull, but it is very, very malformed. It is, you can, it's literally exactly what Kristen just talked about. It's very, very, you can tell it's very thick above the eyebrows. Cranial. Yeah, like the, this, the cranial above the eyebrows part, like under the eyes like where your nose it but not where the nose is um that part is a bit slim which is odd but like right under the eyes all the way down to the jaw like it's just very you can tell it's very <laughs> thick um it just it doesn't look really that comfortable also the <laughs> what are the i i i orbit part like the orbital parts of your eyes, eyes like where sockets, your eyes are supposed right? to go yeah your eye sockets <laughs> like they're just like lined with bone like i don't know how his eyes would have fitted in there because it looks like he has eyelids right meow <laughs> even though he doesn't i'm not Okay, I am not, I am not laughing at all at this horrible disease. Oh, no, I know. I'm just laughing at the way Riley describes things. Because this is a terrible, terrible state of affairs that's happening with this poor, poor man. But, and then this, check out this image. Oh, is this him, Kristen? Let's see, a 17th century manuscript of Egil. This is Egil. This is Egil. Egil. You're about to get a whole lot sadder. Yes, don't even. This is don't even. just. You're about, to, you're about to cry later. Oh, don't gosh. even. <laughs> I don't even know. Look at his legs. Gosh. <laughs> this must have affected his entire body. He just became a whole lot of he... bone. <laughs> and they have to know this for real because they found his bones. And. Ugh. It, okay, so what I'm seeing right now. No, I don't know if that's really his. I don't think that was his bones. I think it his was pants. a like somebody with Paget's disease. Like what? Yeah, just like his pants. <laughs> like what are we? What'd you say? I said, do you think that this would just be his pant, a representation of his pants? But like, they're really big and thick, just like how I'm assuming that he would be. And I mean. I'm serious. It's. I'm so serious. I okay. mean, and look, you can kind of see that his okay, face. Okay, moving on. We're gonna post yeah, these pictures. Can, oh, we will post these pictures. You can. Oh, sorry. Um, I took it away. You can follow us at Treasure Podcast on Instagram, and all of these pictures will be posted. And y'all will think the same thing I do. Please just let us know and say Riley is totally right because I am. I mean, look at the legs. It w- <laughs> so that's actually the picture they use. They're like parachute pants, Kristen. I know. I know. No, it's a, I think it's some kind of like skirt. Not skirt. It's not no. a skirt. Whatever. Oh, Moving Viking on. Wear. Okay. So the saga was written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Manly skirt. The saga was written sometime between like the 1220s and 1240s. So that's, like I said, more than... 200 years after the life of Egil. So he, I think it said, died around 990 AD. Yes. Um, But because of the dating on the oldest version and the way it's written, there is, so there is this famous author named Snorri Sturluson. They think he possibly could have wrote it, but 
it, it's actually really interesting. All of the articles, all of the information really that I could find either said, oh, there's no way of knowing or they were like Snorri wrote it. But then I found this. It's Snorri. Yeah, Snorri. I found him on this professor on YouTube who teaches Old Norse, I think, at like the University of Colorado or something. And he he does not think that Snorri wrote it. He is just not in that camp because he said that the attitude, like in Snorri's other... He is a Snorri denier. Yeah, but he said, so Snorri wrote the Heimskringla, I don't know how to say it, a history of the Norwegian kings, and it begins with like a whole bunch of legendary material. And then he also wrote the Prose Edda, which is basically the main source of all of the Norse mythology info we even have. So he is super famous. Um, but his attitude... Snorri did this. Snorri, who lived... 200 years after Egil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but because of his attitude toward the Norwegian kings and his other writings, this professor named, let me find his name. His name is Jackson Crawford. Find him on YouTube. How crazy would it be to be a professor who just talks about like North, North, you know, Nordsmen, Viking stuff? Like that would be so cool. I didn't know you could take classes like that in college. I had an I ancient taken all mythology class in college, and it spanned like all through Mesopotamia, all the way. I think in the end, we finished with Nordic stuff because I remember my professor dressing up as Odin with like a raven on his shoulder. But they it really? was one no, of my lying. favorite classes. It's like totally point. Like I would never use any of that today, but it was so interesting. Like I looked forward to going to that class every day. Well, you might use some right now. Yeah, I'm using it right now. Shameless plug. So yeah, Snorri, I don't know. It's up for debate. They, long story short, they don't know who actually wrote it. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, though, Snorri was a descendant of Egil, so it it is likely that it could have been passed down, obviously not just, you know, oral history through the culture, but through the family. Um, and that's, it's, if you read it, it has like extreme detail. Like how did one person remember all this? So I don't know. I could see the argument for both sides, but if it was Snorri and he was a descendant of Egil, I would definitely know it would make a lot of sense as to why he would want to write it down, like to preserve his ancestry, but also how it was, I guess, maybe easier for him to remember all the details since everyone in his family would have been talking about it. I don't know. How would Snorri know how to write it down, though? Like, because a lot of the Nordic people, they didn't have like a written language, right? Like, so it just like was passed down and passed down. So like Snorri was like, let me look this up. It says the Vikings wrote their language using runes. So I don't know if that is like just an like a rough alphabet. I thought that was like magical stuff. It does. Yes, I totally feel the same way. But I think that runes are like the things that um, they're kind of like hieroglyphics, but mm. in the north. 
So like the things okay. that Egyptians used. So this says no poetry or sagas were written in the early years of the Viking Age. Rather, the history of the Norsemen and their stories of their gods and goddesses were memorized and told wherever a group would meet. Those who did the memorizing and composed the poems and stories were called skalds. So oh, okay, S K L D S skalds. So later on, we're going to hear that Egil is one of the most famous skaldic poets because of the poems that he writes, but he didn't actually write this saga about himself. So somebody like 200 and something odd years later wrote this about him. So yes, you're right. I guess only a handful of people would actually write things down. Perfect. Good question. Okay. One thing when I was reading or listening to the YouTube video from Jackson Crawford, that professor I found he was cracking me up because he says in there, I particularly love the author isn't trying to make us like Egil in the saga. He is a jerk. <laughs> so it's like, you know, when you read a story, you kind of eventually love the protagonist. But Egil, like throughout the whole story, he's he's pretty terrible, but he makes you sad he's in a way. Like, an we'll talk about it. Everyone um, hates him. That's so yeah. funny. <laughs> so a dichotomy is happening um, from the start between, well, first of all, you know how I said it's about his father and his grandfather. The beginning of the book is a lot about, like there's a lot of ink spilled talking about his father and grandfather. So later on, Egil enters the picture. From that point forward, there's definitely this dichotomy happening between him and his older brother named Thorolfer. Thorolfer. Gosh, this is hard. Um, So his brother is like, handsome blonde hair i i'm the north yeah the north i can't it's like my mouth is not names. made to pronounce the words like that so anyway bear with me <laughs> his brother is described as handsome blonde hair popular cheerful Egil is described as ugly, dark-haired, introverted, mean. So they're complete opposites. And it when I was first researching him, I thought the same thing about like, oh, he's this invincible bone man. He's going to be the Viking Goliath type thing. And it's like, no, they thought he, like they went out of their way to say he was ugly with dark hair introverted mean they did not like him so the first story we have of Egil is when he's three years old and he really really wants to go to this party with his dad and his brother and his dad says no you shall not this is quoted from the saga you shall not go for you know not how to behave yourself in company where there is much drinking you who are not good to deal with though you be sober and keep in mind, he's three. And his dad is saying, like, you don't know how oh, to behave what? when you're sober. Oh, what? Yeah. What were they getting so these three I just thought that was a crack up. I'm actually going to have you read, Ooh. though, this little excerpt from the saga. And this is this is what Egil does at age three when his father tells him, no, he can't go to the party. He went out of the yard and found a draft horse of Skilligrim's, got on his back, mm-hmm. and rode after Skilligrim's party. No easy way had he over the moor, for he did not know the road, but he kept his eyes on the riders before him when the 
coops or wood were not in the way. This is to tell of his journey. That late in the evening he came to Swaness. When men sat there a drinking, he went to the room, or he went into the room, but when Ingvar. Ingvar? Is that how you say How do you say it? Ingvar. Ingvar? Ingvar? Okay, so the <laughs> Y is silent. Yes. Okay, sorry. I'm not good. Okay. Okay, ready? I don't have to start over. I can like, cut that out, but I probably won't. Ingvar saw Eagle. Eagle. <laughs> I can't. I I see these and I'm like, I think I'm going to say it wrong. Okay. <laughs> and he saw. Say it one more time. Ingvol. Egel. Egel. These are the hardest words. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> also, I hear that the Danish, this is where the Danish people come from. And they have the hardest words too. So anyways. Okay. But when Egel... He received him joyfully and asked why he had come so late. Egil told of his words with Scalagrim. Scalagrim, his father, his father. Nivar made Egil sit by the sit by him. The two sat opposite Scalagrim and Thoroff. For merriment over their ale, they fell to receiving. Or to reciting staves, which means poems. Jesus. Perfect. So, Kristen, so Ingvar that was made unfair. I know. <laughs> I should I should have sent it to you for practice, but I wanted it to be a surprise. It would have given away the story. So anyway. No, no, um, I love the surprise. Better, I, love, I wouldn't have gotten it anyways <laughs> if I practiced. I would have just kept just trying and trying. You should see what I do with these so, Louisiana last names of these kids. I'm just like butchering them re- left and right. I feel so bad. But they don't make sense. I love They're it. just like this. Ingvar made. So he's the host of the party. Ingvar made Egil sit behi- beside him. They two sat opposite Skalgrim and Thorolf. So that's his dad and brother. They're at the party. Egil rolls up comes in and Ingvar's like, come over here and say poems with us. Um, so all all by his three-year-old self gets on a horse, rides across the moors, doesn't know the way. He's like blindly following the people in front of him, trying not to lose their trail, and joins the party anyway. So pause. Currently, we are in the terrible twos with our little girl, and everyone keeps telling me the threes and fours get worse, and this is the scariest part of the story to me because I'm imagining oh. her at age three, like roping up a they horse and being like, mom told me no, but I'm going to do what I want. So yeah. question. I'll do what I want. A, do you think this was exactly. actually possible for him to do this at oh. age three? And B, is age three actually worse than two? I will tell you that um, I am not sure, but I mean, I guess back then they only had horses, but I am not sure if a three-year-old could or would control like a gigantic horse because, you know, they have to have their legs down. Like when you ride a horse, 
I mean, I wouldn't put it past I wouldn't put it past a three year old to be able to one hundred percent do whatever they want to do. Like my son has ridden a dirt bike since he was three. So Wow. It's a scary life out here. Yeah. And I think it's hilarious Good too luck, that he though. rolls up and like just starts drinking ale with them and See, reciting no, that's, the poems that's like not even good. at age that's not good <laughs> i i would definitely put a stop to that yeah good mom good mom at age three he already knows the you poems. can know the poems so he goes in the, the house at swaness and states a skaldic poem to the host which so the host is ingvar and i think that i read that is his grandfather on his mother's side but don't quote me on that. But I think that's who Ingvar is, his grandfather on his mother's side. So he goes up to the host, states a skaldic poem. Remember, he's three. So this is the earliest poem that we have of Egil, the famous skald of Iceland. And and just to note, skaldic poetry is deliberately confusing. It uses a lot of like metaphorical, metaphoric language. And I found this on Britannica.com. It's extremely symbolic. For example, they would say sword liquid instead of blood or a wave horse for a ship. So it's like, they just kind of go out of their way to add as, pack in as much description as possible, which is, Interesting because I feel like all the representations. I kind of like the sword I do liquid. Too. I that's really. I feel like all the representations we see of Vikings on shows and I mean, stuff. It's basically, what it is. Yeah, it is. I feel like all the representations we see of Vikings and all that. It's like they're these almost like mindless war machines. And it's reading all of this research about Eggle. It's like they. This poetry was a huge part of forming their culture and you're you're actually going to see the power of it later this is how detailed their skalds are to write one each stanza has eight lines each line has six syllables three syllables in each line must be stressed and the last syllable must be unstressed the lines are linked in alliterating pairs the first line of each pair must have two alliterating syllables. All lines must have internal rhyme. So just the fact that there was that much structure in their poetry was like, whoa, it's amazing. No, that's amazing yeah. that they would they were doing yeah. that. All right, so I'm gonna read you the poem that Egil gives to uh, all the people at the party at the age of three. Let's take a quick break and then I'll read it to you. Perfect. So this is the poem Egil reads or recites that he has written, supposedly, at the age of three to um, the host of the party when he shows up there. He's very advanced. Yes. I've come to Ingvar's place. I was eager to visit him. The one who gives Drenger's gold. Generous man. You will not find a better three-year-old poetry welder than me. That's his poem. And that was translated by Jackson Crawford, the professor of Old Norse. Credit to him there. That was so good. I know. He's <laughs> gone across all of this outdoor scenery to get yeah. to this party. And he goes in there. I know. They just let him lose. And he horse. goes in and just says this poem that makes sense as a three-year-old, which is crazy. Like, he is unafraid. Mm -hmm. If I had a three-year-old like that, I would be like, 
He's You're unafraid. definitely destined for greatness, and I'm putting you on all, <laughs> uh, I don't know, platforms? I don't know. No, just kidding. Yeah, just wait till we get to his mom, because you're going to love her. So at this point, I really like Eggle. Like he's... Yeah, doesn't seem bad. Like one of a kind. So anyway, yeah, years later though, not that many years, he's only seven. Um, So four years (sighs) later, when Eggle is seven, his father, they have like these feasts. Old age. Right. The ripe old age of seven. They have these feasts where, um, you know, neighbors, family all these people come and enjoy eating together. The kids play games. So all these boys are challenging each other to wrestling matches. And Eggle is wrestling a 10 year old who's obviously bigger and stronger than him, um, pins him down, beats him in the wrestling match. And Eggle does not take this well. He's like sulking away, not a very good loser. Um, And one of the neighbors is like, here's an ax go over and kill that kid. And so he goes over to the 10-year-old and just smashes his head in with this axe. And it says in the saga, I think something about like splitting his brain open or something. I am literally holding my throat right now being like, what is happening right now? (laughs) No. Yeah, he kills this kid at age seven, and the kid is only 10. Um, and the kid obviously, he kills? there's, yeah, the kid he kills is only 10. It's the kid that he was wrestling. Um, so, obviously, among all the. It's kind of a fair game, I'm sorry. <laughs> among all the adults, there's chaos that ensues. Yeah, I, um, hope, I seven wish the men. adults would, al- would not allow the children to have axes <laughs> and be planning, plotting murder of other children, but. That's beyond the point. Well, and I don't know. I don't know how old the other the neighbor is that gave him the axe. So I'm like, if this is a grown person, obviously out of line. I mean, kid, I think definitely the whole out, thing of line, is out of line. But I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to justify. No, it. <laughs> I'm just so, saying. You know, <laughs> you know, they might the, um, have been out of line, even if it was a child giving him an axe. Nobody should be giving anybody axes and yeah. being like, no axe wielding. Yeah. It's fine for just bl- like brain go try to kill that ten year old. It's fine, but also the seven year old killing the ten year old. I kind of do have respect for him because it's like, listen, he was just trying to be the biggest kid on the block. And it's not his dad and his grandfather earlier on in the saga. You know, I told you the beginning. There's like a ton written about them. And it, supposedly his grandfather is like a werewolf. So there are these like violent episodes that are supposedly I in their blood kind of thing. Not to make excuses, but it's like this family's known. Yeah, I known. wonder if they kind of knew about those folklores or, you know, I don't know, maybe serious um, things about like his grandfather. Like, I wonder if he knew about that and was i don't know he was either trying to like hold his family's name to like um you know their folklore and everything or he had a touch of werewolf like trying to live up to his family yeah i think and it makes me kind of sad thinking about it this way because he's definitely described as like this hideous Mm. child and 
so were his father and grandfather. And so it, it, the disease that they think he had is, is genetic. So if he had it, it's likely his father and grandfather had it. But imagine like, yes. And imagine though, like from the time he was born, everybody's like idolizing his brother and it just, you know, when he's next to his brother, it even more so highlights how despised he is. And so I do feel kind of sad for him that he probably has all this pent up anger and resentment from the time of birth. Yeah, but he did have like, that connection with his you know, dad like you're and saying, his grandfather to, who both had that yeah. um, type of issue. And Ugh. that's why they call it's them so werewolves. Intense. And maybe he's just, you know, it's, it's a very sad story. It's so intense and... Yeah, so I can only imagine having this terrible bone deformity that makes you look like a literal, like, ugh. I can only imagine what the skin looked like on the outside of that skull that you showed me. It's going to haunt me in my nightmares. I just feel really sad for Egil. Like, even though he's pretty terrible in this whole saga, I do feel bad for him. So he's seven. He kills this kid, this yeah. 10-year-old kid with an axe. Obviously, all the adults go absolutely insane seven men I don't know if they're like dads or just men of the village or whatever but seven of them are killed in this process of chaos that follows um and his dad is like pissed at well they never had a good relationship really but his dad is super angry but his mom and remember like children are super moldable so what she says next sticks with Eggle till like forever the day he dies yeah literally so the mom praises him and says he has the makings of a viking and in response to that he wrote one of the most famous poems today and this is how in vikings the show they actually sing his poem called my mother said that it's been adapted to like modern day songs and like lyrics but the first stanza they sing it in old norse and then the second time they sing it they sing it in english so like you can understand what the brothers are saying it's when Mm -hmm. king harold well before he's king and he kills his brother you know that Mm -hmm. scene of the brothers they're like singing it but i'm gonna have you read if you can go back to our doc i'm gonna have you read the my mother said that poem eigel wrote this when he's seven My mother told me they ought to buy me a ship and good oars. I ought to go with the Vikings, stand up in the ship, steer the good ship, sail into the harbor, kill one man after another. Excellent. So that also was translated by Jackson Crawford, that professor of Old Norse. Um, He does. I feel like he does a really authentic Mm -hmm. job of translating. But like I said, it was sung by King Harold and his brother Halfdan in this TV series Vikings. And that is ninth episode of season I four. I think he does do a... Oh, I'm sorry. What episode was ninth it? Ninth episode of season four. It's called The Brothers Song. Season four. Yeah. Okay. I think that he does do a really good job of translating that because it almost is like a high it it does sound like a haiku almost yeah. like um it sounds like a poem even in english when he translate it translates it which i mean that's really hard to do when you're translating a poem yeah it's like all the areas he um, maintains the integrity across all aspects of the poem exactly so the modern exactly adaptation of the song um like that you'll hear i'm actually going to play you a 
quick one, but it's the is it by Colum McGinnis on YouTube? You can open the tab. I'm so excited. Um, So the modern adaptation of the song that you'll hear, like in Vikings, you know, I said first they sing it in Old Norse, then they sing it in English. And it's a little bit different than the poem we just read. But it says, my mother told me someday I would buy a galley with good oars, sail to distant shores, stand upon the prow, noble bark I steer, steady course for the haven, hew many foemen, hew many foemen. So... It will be stuck in your head all day once you hear it. It's so good. But um, I want you to hear this. Open that tab, the YouTube tab. I want you to hear the Colin McGinnis version of this because one of the comments that I heard was like, imagine being the English or the Scottish or whoever and hearing an army of people singing this. Like, just imagine this. Yeah, there's one right here. I'm not going to play the whole thing, just the beginning. Phases of watching this video. This is by Bulk Van Der Huge. I don't know what that means. But he says, phases of watching this video. Wow, this, number one, wow, this dude's voice is way deeper than I thought it would be. Number two, wow, this sounds way more badass in Old Norse. Number three, Wow, his speaking <laughs> voice is way different than his singing voice. <laughs> People it's are so, so crazy. good. Okay, I'm going to click play. Yeah. Ready? One, two, three. I'm a Viking now. I know. (laughs) Seriously though, is that his real voice though? I think it is. Yeah. Okay, we can turn it off. Yes, that is his real voice. (gasps) And secondly, um, like... Imagine being I'm following him in this like dark fog. You you know you're That's going exactly to battle and you just hear people hear. singing that. I would be like, get me out. I would of be here. like, actually, so if my husband with Ragnar, Ragnar Lothbrok, I would be like, yes, yes, yes. But no. Yeah. It's so, so scary. I don't know. I just feel like it's so rich. Their poetry, their it's music. Ominous. It's Yes, perfect word. So yeah, that was intense. Uh, Egil wrote that song. And it's it's been one of the most famous, famously used poems of all time in Icelandic history. And they used it in the show Vikings, which I thought was really cool um, to see. Okay, can I say one Go thing? Ahead. That is a treasure if i have ever heard one having a song written so long ago yeah having been passed down and it means so much to it like it meant so much to the vikings and it was old then yeah for sure and now it's still being sung and it's on youtube yeah can you imagine him 
thinking like <laughs> it's on YouTube and yeah. he's like in like a what thousand does that mean? years your song is gonna be on YouTube like what exactly yeah, that's insane like that is a genuine that's treasure. really cool I did not Honestly, even think about he that he did a great amazing and thing. he was only seven yes. when he wrote it I mean he was only seven years old when he wrote that yeah. song his ma'am and see who who would he be now yeah. uh, just probably uh, on death row <laughs> so later on the neighbor that gave eggle the axe which is apparently i guess he was also a kid because they were friends they stayed friends and later on they're wrestling again like at another mm-hmm. They're just playing. But his dad, Eggle's dad, Scala yes. Creamer, remember I said they're like a family full yes. of rage and violence. He ram- randomly comes over to this kid named Thorder, Thordur, and in a rage, kills this kid. He just kills him while they're playing. And it's kind of, uh, I guess some scholars well, that's are upsetting. like, I don't know if it's reaching. Jeez. I know they have implied or stated that they think it's implied that some of that werewolfishness was inherited from his father because it's like in the Mm -hmm. evening time, he goes into this rage. He just randomly kills this kid and it doesn't stop there. He, in this rage, goes to kill Eggle too, like his own son. He just goes to kill him off. Yeah. What a sicko. Eggle's nanny Basically, she is like running over there. She's a slave woman and she is trying to do anything in her power to like distract the dad and tell him how shameful it would be for him to kill his own son, like all this stuff. Come on. So he, it would. It's so sick. Like, I don't care how much you hate it together. Anyway, he runs, he starts chasing her, trying to attack her, and she runs off a cliff and falls in the water below. Becomes I don't a mermaid. think she dies immediately, but he throws a boulder after um, her to make sure she's like taken out. Okay, so this so, is a completely strange, killed. just rage that this man is in. Just like a yeah, it, he's it in a rage. It seems like it's it is an all encompassing rage for no reason. It really does seem like a werewolf incident. Yeah, like at night, like the yeah, full moon and, is you know, out, and in their culture, yeah. maybe the full moon doesn't have any. Maybe it's when the bog grass gets too high, or something like that, or I don't know. I don't you know. What I'm know. Saying? Like, yeah, who knows? So, listen to this n- foolishness. Oh, so they just go to dinner. Eggle, I guess, at some points, the saga says <laughs> that he gets back at his dad later because they're at dinner together I'm so sorry. and I'm like wait I just wait, imagine him going out to like if a my... restaurant together like an actual like <laughs> now restaurant being like <laughs> like yeah it's so oh, crazy God. I'm they're so at sorry dinner, and I'm like if my dad just tried to kill me I, know. I wouldn't go they're to like, dinner right, with him but car. anyway <laughs> Like a like tur- kind of semi turning into a werewolf, like that's what I imagine. And then they go out to like a dinner at like a nice restaurant. Like that's I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's what I'm imagining. But I know that that is not what we are talking about. Um, yeah, no, they go out to like their dinner at their that their uh, clan area in their whatever. Yeah, and so his dad. Keep in mind, Eggle is still. 
I think like only seven at this time. And he like plots to get back at his dad, but he doesn't take like time. Oh, for just murdering his he friend in pl- front of him? Yeah. He plots to get back at his dad, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to plot and make you suffer. It's like this family goes into these fits of rage. And mm. so that night at dinner, he just walks up to his father's favorite like male servant and just slices him dead. <laughs> And he's like only seven. I'm just gonna throw that in there as and many like, times as I can. This, Dad. He's like, I'm, I'm seven. You just yeah, slice my so friend in front of me. They like, I will slice your favorite servant. Watch this. Yeah, and that's what he did. He just took so this guy crazy. out. And so, I his dad, I guess, doesn't. I mean, he doesn't try to kill him at that point because <laughs> Eggle's still unfazed. alive for the rest of the story. But I'm like, how did that dinner end? I don't really. <laughs> Who paid just, for the just bill? It's kind of done there. But yeah, yeah, that's what we <laughs> want to know. So Eggle and his father pretty much just hate each other. They're in this all out fight. And also just an important note. So Jackson Crawford, the professor that I keep plugging because he's amazing. He states it's important to know that just because this extreme behavior and violence and family dynamics were recorded in this saga does not mean that this was normal or even acceptable behavior by the Norsemen of the time. So, Oh, I totally, yeah, I totally feel like you've made that very clear. And I personally, I mean, at this point, I am 100% believing there is some sort of werewolf blood running through their veins. Like, I mean, it might not be, you know, the same kind of werewolf that we understand right now. And it might be. But like a feral person. Yes, exactly. Like a feral. Yeah. Okay. Kristen, I know that you like Harry Potter like okay, I do. Okay, I just can't stop thinking about and Lupin like, this whole time. And let's think about Lupin. I know. I know. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Let's bring it up. Because this is what I am imagining. Like, when he turns into that feral person, feral werewolf, and no one can stop him other than the what? other... Animagus? Animagi, maybe? So, it's kind of interesting, though, because... Like you're saying, it it really does seem to run in this family mm-hmm. line with select people like his grandfather and then his father and then Eggle. But so his grandfather and father have had really bad relationships with the Norwegian kings mm-hmm. because they just wreak havoc on them. And but Egil's brother member is like the complete opposite of any of them. So he's been with the royal family in Norway for quite some time. That's what I would have done. To kind of, I would have been like, "Sorry, everyone, bye." Yeah, I've got to go. Kind of. My entire family are werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> so, his brother Thorolver is with the Norwegian king, Eric Bloodaxe, who's very famous. But there's this horrible history between Egil's family and the royal family in Norway. And so his brother's trying to like negotiate, I guess like peace relations or whatever. And so the king gives him a, like an ax that was inlaid with silver. And it's like this beautiful, ornately decorated ax. And of course they love their weapons and all that stuff. And so it was for the dad, for Skalagrim. And the next time Thorolver goes to visit his family, he's like, 
hey, the king is really trying to like put peace between us. He doesn't want this craziness going on. We just want to settle everything. And the father, Scalagrim, I kind of get like, it though. No, I will never be friends with that guy. And so they should also try to make well, peace. especially if it's the king who can like if he says he wants you dead, you can just You'll literally just like you know anyone dead. can just come and kill you, and it's fine. <laughs> they just didn't care. Okay, Eggle does not want to stay there with his father, obviously, because they obviously obviously <laughs> they butt heads to say the least. So he pretty much coerces his brother into taking him with him to Norway. His brother does not want to take him. And Eggle is like, I'm going. And his brother was probably like, I'm sure you're going to try to kill me if you don't, <laughs> if I don't. All right, so, you little werewolf, you little, you little pup. Come along, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Eggle. I'll bring a muzzle. <laughs> Eggle gets on the boat. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Continue. <laughs> Eggle gets on the boat and um, just like loses his mind. So I already, I told you the father and grandfather were enemies already of Norway. And now Eggle like officially puts his own stamp on it, like becoming an enemy. So I... <laughs> Riley, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to have you read the whole article because it is very, oh. very foul. Oh. But this oh. one excerpt is hilarious. But after you have got to go back and look at this on your own. It is hilarious. But OK, well, can I read like at least at least some? Yeah, of that? I'm going to have you read this hilarious excerpt from an article I found written by Grayson Del Faro. OK. Egil is reciting some salty poems to taunt them, then stabbing the king's <laughs> steward so violently that the nearest man promptly vomits into the bloodbath. The only good thing to come from this trip is that Eagle begins a bromance with Aaron Bjorn, the only person he ever seemed to truly love, except maybe after the wife, Eagle later steals from his dead brother. Spoiler alert. By the way, it's fine. His brother was boring anyway. The pretty ones always are. <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> that okay. I couldn't even so read it throughout the whole thing, it. Kristen. Um, yes, it was hilarious. So I just have to ask the you. Steward, the the part that was <laughs> he he promptly <laughs> I have vomits to ask you bloodbath. <laughs> that is so awfully funny. <laughs> He's like so violent, but I'm like, what does he do? He just gets on the boat and like whips out the weapons yeah. and starts no, making yeah, such he horrible he violence that people are just poems, vomiting. Which, like, you know, like, people say, like, salty, like, or they used to when we were in high school. I don't think they say that anymore. <laughs> uh, to taunt them. And then he starts stabbing yeah. the king's they say, steward like, so violently that the nearest yeah. man promptly vomits into the bloodbath. <laughs> um, so, like, <laughs> the only good thing to come is that he uh, begins a bromance. With what's your Aaron Bjorn, uh, the only person he ever seemed to love. So he was a gay man, which is fine. Or is that a woman? I'm not sure. No, he wasn't. It was like his best friend. So Aaron Bjorn's a man. He's married, and the it's like his only 
it's almost like he's so full of rage, like mad at the world his whole life. He never develops any <sighs> friendships except for really this one guy. And then later, like this said, spoiler alert, his brother dies and he marries his sister-in-law and he actually loves his wife at the end. He probably has Yeah, he probably to. has to. Yeah. Oh, oh, he, he loves his he sister-in-law? Loves, yeah, he loves his sister-in-law who becomes his wife. Oh. So, yeah. Maybe find some other things some other romances I mean other than when you stab people and have people vomiting in the blood of the people that you've murdered that's just Um, sick and then someone's like oh my gosh let's join a bromance let's have a bromance actually if I was that guy I would be like listen bro we are totally cool right now like it's all good like bro we are totally gonna be just kicking it at the game you are my teammate. We're down That's with it. So it's true. fine. And that guy's like, I'm totally not going to murder you. That's great. Oh my God. <laughs> so, long yes, story that's exactly short, what he happened. is labeled a serious criminal by the king, obviously. Um, well, they get shipwrecked. And so he kind of starts thinking like, crap, I have dug my own grave. I've murdered the captain. I've murdered everyone who knows how to drive this ship. So the walls start closing in on him. So what to do now? (laughs) It is so bad. So they're shipwrecked and the walls are like closing on on him. He has nowhere to go. So so his friend is like, look, plead with the king. His one friend, Aaron Bjorn, is like, go plead with the king. Eggle knows it's not going to end well for himself. So he's like, this is your only option. Just see if the king will hear you out because you're going to be killed otherwise. And so the king, the king will hear absolutely none of it says his crimes were just too extreme to be forgiven. Um, And he's sentenced to death. And so he's going to be executed the next morning, which I'm like, at least, I don't know. I'm glad we don't have a monarchy because he kind of deserves it. Yeah. Well, he stays up all night composing the Hafuldlausen. I don't know how to say that. It means the head ransom. It Here's his poem. He writes a poem. And I'm just going to read you like my three favorite little parts out of it because it's pretty long. But so this is called the head ransom. He's going before the king uh, before he's supposed to be executed. He stays up all night writing this. And in the morning before execution reads this to the king. And he says... Red blade the king did wield, ravens flocked o'er the field, dripping spears flew madly, darts with aim full deadly. Scotland's scourge let feed wolf, the ogress's steed. For urn, urn of downtrod dead, dainty meal was spread. Monarch, at thy will, judge my minstrel skill. Silence thus to find, sweetly cheered my mind. Moved my mouth with word from my heart's ground stirred. Draft of Odin's wave, due to warrior brave. Silence I have broken, a sovereign's glory spoken. Words I knew well fitting, warrior council sitting. Praise from heart I bring, praise to honored king. Plain I sang in clear, song that all could hear. So, that was he's so basically good. in this whole poem, like, praising the king. I'm impressed that whoever translated this made it like rhyme in English. So that was pretty cool. I'm I'm impressed at you. Thank you. So question, I I think it's interesting. Well, first of all, he's writing this whole poem to kind of like 
raise mm-hmm. the king, like obviously butter him up because he doesn't want his head getting chopped off. Exactly. And then he, I feel like he, I think it's interesting that whoever wrote this saga notes that he stayed up all night. I don't know if this is a stretch, but like I, I want to think that it's kind of like a nod to the werewolfishness, like stated earlier. Um, but instead of like this rage and violence coming out as his weapon, it's like his most powerful gift are his words. And like, he's using that to save himself. You and know? I think he kind of says that in this poem, like he says, wolf. Well, this king of Norway was actually also a Viking or a Norseman, you know? And so this guy, I think the reason he was afraid of him is the lore. It's like from his family's history, like when he got the throne, it's like he had heard of his father and grandfather and now he's like, oh great, now the grandson's coming of these yeah. people and yeah, I yeah. think that that happens so, all the time like I think that that still happens now like in the royal family like yeah. you know ooh it makes it like larger exactly. than life kind of thing like the idea of them is scarier exactly. than actually and they probably them. did tell I don't people know. that so, his great great grandfather was an actual wolf you know what I mean yeah I mean he got the name wolf evening wolf werewolf so the morning comes eggle is standing before the king king eric and he recites this poem and the king is so blown away by this poem that he pardons him and eggle is free to go home just completely forgiven so it's all good yeah it just i feel like we can't comprehend the power of these poems like back in they were it was just held in such high regard that he literally escaped execution from this poem and all is forgiven so we just i feel like we don't have anything like that nowadays obviously to compare to definitely don't and this is so i mean and i think it's super cool i do too but his story is not over so following his release this is a treasure though please don't tell me he dies in a terrible way he may he uh i'm not gonna tell you yet so following his release he goes to king athelstan in winchester winchester he was the first king i think that technically ruled over a united england what yeah well and it sounds like it was so long ago and i mean it was but no i I don't know just england just seems so permanent to think that he was there at kind of like the start of its unification is pretty crazy especially (sighs) if you look at the tower of london and like all its history it is it like makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up it's so crazy um okay anyway Back to Athelstan. So King Athelstan is like the first king of a united England. Um, Egil is freed out of the Norwegian where he was, you know, on death row. Goes to Athelstan in Winchester and is basically like a hired sword for him. Him and his brother, Thorolver. Thorolver. Gosh, these names. No, these names are crazy. Yeah. And okay, so Thorolver is his brother. Him and Egil are going to fight. Um they get, uh, Athelstan doesn't want them fighting together in the battle for some reason. So they're like separated during the battle and his brother. It's probably because he doesn't want killed. all of them to be dead. Um, Athelstan, like, you know rewards, what I mean? Like he has to have like an heir to his. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Like don't put all your eggs in one basket. 
Thorolver, the brother, is killed. Athelstan rewards him handsomely, Egil, to take this treasure like back for himself <clears throat> and his father. But we know that Egil hates his father. So uh, he he was instructed, obviously, to give it to his dad, Skalagrim. He does not. He has no intention of sharing. Exactly. So after, basically, he just continues working as a mercenary for a really long time, getting paid to use his sword, basically, which he probably doesn't mind. It's probably fun for him. He returns back to his father's homestead, and they... I don't think it was like as much rage as it was in the past because his dad was like older, but there was there was a paranoia there about both of their riches. So his dad, I think, was a blacksmith, I want to say, but made like a really good living, had a lot of money, um, had enough riches that he wanted to hide it from Egil, essentially. Mm-hmm. So Egil returns to his dad. Him, I'm sure. I'm sure. And then Egil obviously doesn't share his wealth from King Athelstan with his dad. So one day Egil like leaves for a three night feast. And when he's gone, his dad gets all of the wealth that he owns, supposedly in a large chest and an iron cauldron. And in the middle of the night goes out and buries this treasure kind of near their house. But he it was so cold, I guess, out that he the next morning they found him like stiff as a board like covered in mud from digging in his clothes like just dead what? in the edge of, at the edge of his bed yeah so it's like they don't know exactly where and he, he was just like covered it. in head to toe with yeah, yeah. mud he got into his house and then just was dead of mud and he was just sitting at the edge of yeah he was just dead oh my it like gosh and i don't know de- he he buried this dead. treasure <laughs> yeah he buried treasure by their house so that's that's one bit that's buried um so after the dad dies Egil inherits you know all the land he marries his brother's wife who's dead so his um sister-in-law becomes his wife yeah it's like you know anyway they have five children um the saga kind of wraps up with his daughters getting married off. It tells what happens to them. Um, but it, one of his sons, Bodvar, I think is how you say his name, Bodvar, mm-hmm. he actually drowned when he was a teenager and it sent Edel into like the worst depression, the worst depression, which makes me really sad because a lot of this story, know, you're kind of thinking imagine. that he doesn't have like feelings, <laughs> but He's very expressive in his writing. It's just, it's really sad. Um, he is. But he's also very expressive when it comes to, like, him getting out of trouble. But yeah. also him being really sad about his son dying. Like, he does have a heart. Like, he does love the people who are around him. But also, yeah. he may have just loved his son because he was like, you're supposed to take on my legacy. Like, I can't let these dumb girls that I have... Yeah, and that's a really good job that you bring up because a lot of people, when they're studying Egil, they're like, he's just a narcissist. Like, he only loves people that love him or that, you know, and so it's like his kids are a part of him. Useful to him. Right. And so we don't know the depth of his feelings or why he has them, but. To no some extent, would. he is rocked by grief to the point where he's like not eating. He's locked himself in his room. And one of his daughters travels all the way out to him and 
comes in there and she convinces him to start writing a poem. Um, so he writes a poem about his grief and it is oh. so sad, but it kind of brings him back into the world. See, and then but you are right. There are those poems that they do kind of bring you back on his side at some point. Like, yeah, most like the whole time you uh, can't most, decide like, sociopaths or narcissists or like whatever you hear about on like other podcasts, like, they don't, I don't know. They don't have like, like the no wherewithal or, <laughs> yeah, they don't have that to write these type of poems that really change people's opinions. Like, yeah, they're able to, oh, yeah, like to relate human he's able to human. To use his words. Yeah. Listen to how sad this is. So, this is from the saga, oh, which is translated to English okay. from Old Norse. He found Bodvar's or Bodvar's body, I guess, took it up and set it on his knees and rode with it out to Digraness, to Scaligrim's mound, which that's his dad's mound, his burial ground. Mm -hmm. Then he had the mound open and he laid Bodvar down there by Scaligrim, after which the mound was closed again. This task was not finished till about nightfall. Egil then rode home to Borg, and when he came home, he went at once to the locked bed closet in which he was wont to sleep. It's like old English, I guess. He lay down and shut himself in, none daring to crave speech of him. So he was like, literally went and picked up his dead son and carried him on horseback all the way back to their house and like buried him next to his father, so his son's grandfather, and just went yes, into this horrible put them depression. In a mound. Yeah, they would do like burial Which mounds, is, I guess. Yes, yes, and that's very important with like Native American culture. Native Americans, yeah, yeah. You know, that's what they believe in, and I think that that's like a really amazing thing to do. But it's interesting that he said that it was a mound. Yeah, and okay, so there's actually the burial mound is still there. And you can go see it. Egil's son okay. and father in Iceland. And we're going. Okay, I'm going, going to Iceland, Riley. That's exactly so, what I was going to say. I was like, okay, and, well, we're going. We've got to have our little um, tent. I'm going to. Our booth set up being like, hey, what's up? Oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. What, I'm sharing my screen with you. I want you to see this sculpture that this woman made. Uh, her name is Anne Marie Carl Nielsen. Look at the detail in Eggle's face oh, here. That is him. And then here he is. This is the sculpture from the side, but so it's a relief sculpture, and he's it's showing the scene where he's got his son. I'm sorry, you are an artist, but how hard is a relief sculpture? I can't imagine doing this. I don't know. I only have done like hand building ceramics and a little bit of like wheel throwing. I exactly, don't know. Me too. And I've always been very <laughs> bad at it. I don't know anything. I actually have a ceramic bowl that you made in high school that you left at my okay, dad's house you. that I have. Or you made in like middle school or something. I know. It's a, I need to get that to you. It's at my house. But, um, Yes. Keep it. Okay. I will think of you every time I use it. But like, I don't know anything about relief sculptures. Like just carving. Um, I don't know if they like type of like. I know. That would be so hard. And I think they do carve it out. I think I don't think she's adding material to a flat surface. I think she's carving down a block of some sort. So hard. 
I cannot so, imagine doing that. Mm. Yeah. So this this is at the mound. There's like a a little park, I guess, around it, and she donated this sculpture as a gift to that Iceland so back. I want to say the 80s. I'll have to look it up. But it's a it's a depiction of Egil on his horse. He's got his son who's dead. He's drowned, um, laid across his body, and he's, you know, riding home. And it's it's really got some beautiful movement oh, in it with like movement, the, but very sad. What's it called? Yes, the cape like drape. drape. It's very is- sad. And if you see like the emotion on Egil's face. I mean, the horse's hair is kind of going yeah. the same direction, but it's not like flung up like that. But um, Ooh, I yeah. think his face is very, he's very, I don't know, um, intent it's very... on what he is doing. He's very upset and er, he's balding. Oh, yeah. And I'm so happy that she's portraying that. Well, in the story, I think he does well. go bald, like his dad. And that's part of, I mean, not just the baldness. Yeah, he's he's partially, yeah. he's way more balding than my dad. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're welcome, dad. <laughs> bum, bum. So, Sorry. is this, like, <laughs> looking yeah. at the face of this sculpture, is this kind of what you envisioned he would look like or not at all? Oh, no, not at all. Mm -mm. I don't know. He looks too regular to me. He, yeah, I don't know. He's, I think she did a great job with the whole scene. I just feel like he would have been a little bit more dysmorphic. I loved all of that. And that is how I want to imagine him. But I just always imagine all of these stories being just like, Okay, these people are going to be like little dorks, like that we aren't going to be able to uh, get behind. But no, he looks like a complete warrior with just like a little bit of a uh, a hairline coming a back. Hairline. And yeah, like a receding hairline. And um, I don't know. I just really like. That, I think he. But- I think she captures the like you said the intent or maybe it looks like he's trying so hard to like hold Mm -hmm. back tears or if he is crying it's like those hot tears that are falling down that you're just trying to hold inside your eyeballs and so I feel like the face though and the body I think the saga is very clear that he is not normal looking and so I don't know I think he could have been a little bit more true to character maybe but i look i am not going to pick this apart because there's no way on planet earth i could ever render anything no. like that so props He's to Anne Marie carl nelson a norseman's treasure i guess that would yeah. be the best way i could say it which for sure i didn't even think of our podcast name i just said that out of my own mouth so oh i like that yeah Egil grows older, meaner, and eventually blind. He spends his final days trying to keep warm by the fire, being shooed away from the fire, and composing poems about his dead sons and the mean ladies who won't let him sit by the fire. He also hides his fortune in the hills outside Reykjavik, which is the capital, I believe, of Iceland. So when I was looking this up, on Google Maps, it's about seven and a half miles east of the country's capital, Reykjavik, the town of Mosfellsbyr. 
I don't know how to say that. It's a 15 minute drive from Midtown Reykjavik. So I don't know how long that would have taken him on like horseback, but yeah. So a 15 minute car oh, ride from the capital. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> he went to, um, yeah, he buried his treasure too. So there are two treasures that have never been found. His father's treasure and Egil's treasure. And Egil took, he took two, one or two servants with him to bury this treasure. And then I love how this, article words it it says um like in his last display of violence he killed the servants that were brought with him so like he in the end was the only person who knew where it was and um yeah he never gave any hints as to where his stash hoard of wealth was uh the very autumn before anyone could pry any information from him egel scala grimson fell ill and died so he was 80 though he was 80 years old when at that time men lived to be like what 40 like vikings they would just all die in battle i know like can you imagine being being 80 and being a viking i know you'd probably be like just a crippled little <laughs> i imagine i imagine like a shrimp of a person oh my gosh. like somebody when in spongebob Ariel goes to visit ursula and those little shrivelly exactly. souls are down there Poor things. Or yeah, the SpongeBob, exactly. the chocolate episode. I, chocolate! <laughs> that thing in the wheelchair. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Exactly. But no, Ariel is such a good, such a good reference. So um, yes, continue. Well, there's, I mean, okay. So obviously like it's been a thousand years since Egil lived. Um, there's been a church though. So 10 years after his death in 990, all of Iceland became Catholic. And so there was a church built on his homestead and there's been a church there ever since, obviously not the same one, but there was one rebuilt in 1880, but there's always been a church on his homestead. And I plugged in the church to Google maps and it's about an hour car ride from the church to where the treasure supposedly buried. So it's about an hour in 15 minutes from the capital, I think. So yeah, I, I mean, I would love to go see his homestead. And apparently there's like a bunch of tourists that have like dug up parts of Iceland. I don't, it would be awesome to find the treasure, but I don't want to ruin the <laughs> landscape. But yeah, there's a little church yeah. there. We don't want to dig up Iceland, but also we're like totally willing to because y'all lied originally <laughs> when you said that y'all were Iceland and you're actually Greenland. So like, it's your own fault. I I did not know that. What? Oh, because Greenland's the one that's Christian, full of ice and yes. Iceland's the one that's not frozen. Okay, got you, got you, got you. Yes, they did that to confuse people and like, I'm getting the vibe that they're putting down. But like, listen, they were trying to trick people at the beginning. We just want to dig up y'all's treasure and help y'all dig it up. We won't like take it for our own selves. Yeah, no, we never I mean, would. <laughs> Heck Can you imagine no. finding that? All I, of his dad's treasure is out there. Yes. And all of Egil's treasure. All the treasure that Athelstan gave him, the first king of England gave him, all yes, those riches. the first king of England. Those yes. are buried There's out there. There's a ton of treasure out there, uh, hidden somewhere ridiculous. And we've cracked it. We've got to go. We have no, to go. I'm I want to go there. And so, okay, so I would love to see his homestead and like the burial ground, all of that, the little church, all of that. Oh. But even if we don't find the treasure, there's a treasure 
kind of of sorts. It's called the Settlement Center. Um, and so it's in the coastal yes. village of Borgarns. Borgarns, I guess that's the name of like his homestead village where Egil lived. So they put these nine cairns, which are like man-made stacks of stones at important locations from the saga of Egil. So the first one, this first stone stack marks the location of the actual farm where this infamous ball game happened early on in the saga where his friend died. Mm -hmm. The second one is where his nanny is yelling at his dad you know, for trying to kill his own son. And then she falls off the cliff and he throws Mm -hmm. the rock and all that. They mark locations from the saga. Okay. And this one is interesting. Exactly. From this guy's kind of like his life. So like, even if you're not going and digging up treasure, like this is a treasure in its own to like go stand in all of these spots and just imagine this story coming to life and get this, the second one at the location where the nanny fell into the water, um, the it's called the Brocker Strait. I think, I don't know how you say it. I'm sorry. The Brocker Strait. It's okay. It was named after her. To this day, it's still called that because her name was Poregurder Brock. So it's called the Brock Strait, the Brocker Strait after his nanny to this day. <gasps> yeah. And you can like stand there See, and look at it. Like I that's know. a treasure in and of itself. But Kristen, I think that you have discovered of my what? new obsession. Like of oh, yeah, yeah, these yeah. treasures yeah, yeah, yeah. that he hid in Iceland. Like I know. What I are, like I want to find uh, them so bad. I want to go there well, and I've right always meow. I've always wanted to go to Iceland. And so I'm like, let me see if there's anything amazing from Iceland that I can research for this episode. And I was like, I am in love with this story. The Norsemen, the Vikings, this this was such a good treasure hunt. And now we have something to really hunt as well. I know. I know. I'm so I really want to go here. You can so the third one is at the actual burial mound. Like you can go see his father and son. Um which I would love to see obviously. And then there's um there's one also where his father supposedly put the treasure, like where his father buried the treasure. Um there's one where his dad had like his ironsmith shop. Um Let's see. There's actually one was okay. There's only one that's been relocated because it was in a like a farmer's backyard and he was just getting like obviously a ton of tourists. Does that make sense? Yeah, but like the one that you said that um, this one was relocated. Yes, this one is okay. It was originally at the place called the Swan. Swan Ness, where he was three and then did the first poem. That was where it was, but it was in a guy's backyard, like I guess along, you know. And his first murder. Yeah. No, no, no. First murders was when he was seven, but it was nearby. So oh, this oh, is when he sorry. does his first, yeah, the first poem and they let him drink ale at age three. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but I guess the farmer yes. like owned that land privately and said it was just too much traffic. Mm-hmm. So they relocated that one. Um, and it's like, I just want to go with my metal detector. And apparently it's like a bunch of silver stuff. So 
silver and gold. Like I just want to get out my metal detector. I wonder if they make like a pocket sized metal detector so we don't look like those obnoxious American tourists coming to dig. Oh my Such gosh. A good we need, idea. We need to take our construction suits from the secret with our tiny spoon and shovels. Be like, we have we to are Iceland. totally like officially start digging it up here for important reasons and like you know don't let anyone take pictures of us but we will take out our metal detectors and be like here we go baby we're i mean somebody needs to look into this i am so glad that you told me about this i'm gonna look into this for so long Kristen, I will talk to my dad about going here. I am excited. Um, So yeah, that's the story of Eggle and I want to go to Iceland. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. You can find links to all of the info we covered today in this episode's show notes. Join us on the hunt on Instagram at treasure podcast. Send us a message, leave us a comment or reach us by email at a podcast treasure at gmail.com. 